Hi, you're listening to the Raise the Vibe with Liz podcast. I'm your host, Liz Peterson. I interview today's inspirational speakers and healers. Thank you for listening to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raise the Vibe with Liz. I'm your host, Liz Peterson, and Janice Holden is joining me again. I'm so excited to have Dr. Jan join me again for this fantastic conversation. We're going to be discussing nearing death awareness and after death communication, and I'm so glad to have her back with me for uh, Raise the Vibe with Liz. So let me start off for those of you who didn't get a chance to listen to her talk on near-death experiences that we did before. I want to read a little bit about who Jan is. So Dr. Jan Holden, after earning her Doctor of Education degree in counselor education in 1988, her primary research focus has been near-death experiences, after-death communication, and other transpersonal experiences. Those that transcend the usual personal limits of space, time, and identity. In this research area, she has over 50 referred journal publications and over 100 national and international presentations. Dr. Holden currently serves as president of the International Association for Near-Death Studies, and since 2008, she has served as editor-in-chief of that association's peer-reviewed scholarly journal, Journal of Near-Death Studies. Dr. Jan, welcome to the show again. Thank you, Liz. Thanks for having me back. So great to have you back. So we're going to jump right into it. I know there are a variety of experiences or paranormal experiences around death, having just experienced that with my mother um, in February and beyond. It still happens to this day. So what are some of those experiences that you could share with our audience? Yeah, well, um, as you said, there are a variety of them. And uh, just as a a few samples, um, as a person who's terminally ill is approaching death, there's a phenomenon called nearing death awareness. And that it's usually witnessed by the people who are at the, uh, the dying person's deathbed. And the dying person gets uh, dreams, visions, Uh, something where they seem to be connected to one or more entities that are not of the material world and seem to be there to be presenting themselves to um, help the person make the transition from this existence to the next. And so um, it's not uncommon for um, a dying person to be lying, let's say, maybe asleep or unconscious on their deathbed, and suddenly they um, come to awake consciousness, and they're looking in the distance, they might reach out, they might have conversation with, um, and and of course, the the, um, person at the deathbed is, is hearing only the dying person side of the conversation, but the dying person seems to be having a conversation with um, some, it could be um, a deceased loved one who's coming back for them, or um, it could be uh, another spiritual entity that um, that is, again, seeming to help them, uh, uh, you know, cross the veil, so to speak. And so, um, these experiences tend to be very um, reassuring for the person who experiences them. Like there are a lot of cases where the dying person seems anxious about their impending death. And then they have one of these experiences. And after that, they're completely calm and, and, um, and fine with the impending transition. And they also can be if the if the person who's there at the deathbed is open to um to accepting these experiences as being you know psychologically and spiritually beneficial um it can benefit them because they see that the um that their loved one is not going to die alone that they're going to be met and accompanied and cared for um and so uh so it can it, and it also can influence the the 
um, witnesses own beliefs about where the dying person is going to go, you know, and that, and that they are going to continue to exist in, in another state. And so that can be very, um, um, comforting as well. So, um, so that's, that's a little taste into nearing death awareness. Sometimes, uh, dying people have dreams that are, um, are helpful in this kind of way. And, uh, and, um, yeah, so, so dreams, visions, things like that. And then, um, closer to the, um, actual physically dying process, as opposed to, you know, the implication that the person is dead and gone, it's more that their body is, has died. Um, people have shared death experiences. And this is, uh, again, a person at a deathbed of, a, of a, a terminally ill person who shares in some way in that uh, person's dying process. And so um, some people have said that um, sometimes things manifest in the room, like at the moment that the uh, person, the dying person takes their last breath, the room becomes filled with light and this uh, sense of peace and love that is just all pervading. And um, and so, and then that lasts for maybe, I don't know, 30, 30 seconds, a couple minutes, and and then it fades. But but the memory of that experience, you know, really stays with the um the witness. And um in some cases, the the um attendant at, at the deathbed actually has a, a psycho-spiritual experience of beginning to accompany their deceased loved one. So they might have the experience, uh, they're sitting there um, just kind of maybe um, uh, daydreaming or whatever, just being with their um, dying loved one. And suddenly they experience themselves um, out of their body um, with their uh, dying loved one um, in the first stages of what sounds a lot like a near-death experience where the dying loved one is going toward a light and uh, the, the um, witness is, is going with them. And then they might, for example, get to a point where the dying person is met by some entity and turns and says to the person, to the living person, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going on now and I need to go. And, and the implication being that the living person can't go. And then the living person is suddenly back in their body and they open their eyes and their loved one has, has physically died. And so, um, of course, that can be profoundly comforting as well, because uh, a sense of really having a sense of the peace and wellness, you know, when, when, the dying person leaves their body, they're whole and functioning completely. You know, they might have had, in fact, this is another phenomenon I'll mention in a minute. They might have had some long-term disability that is now is gone once they leave their body. And so there, there can be a, a lot of levels of comfort in experiences like that. Um, one of the ones that I just thought of that I forgot to mention is called, um, it has different names, but it, one of the names has been called terminal lucidity. Mm. And it's terminal because it's people who are terminally ill. And the lucidity is um, that they've had a long-term cognitive disability, like for example, Alzheimer's, and they have been incommunicative sometimes for years. And suddenly, uh, on their deathbed, usually within hours or not more than a couple of days before the physical death, the person is awake, alert, and they're fully back. And they have lucid conversations with their uh, the living caregivers. And, um, and they know things that have happened during a time when everybody thought that they were just completely checked out. And so... Um, 
And usually, again, this lasts a short time, and then the person lapses back into the disability and then dies physically shortly thereafter. Mm. Um, but this also happens not only with cognitive disability, but with physical disability, where someone who has been uh, paralyzed suddenly is able to have full movement um, in just the um, period prior to their physical death. Wow. And so it um, it's there's just a lot of speculation about, you know, what's going on there, except that these experiences definitely point to that we are more than our physical, the limitations of our physical bodies. You know, we're much more than that. And then um, <clears throat> we talked about shared death experiences and then beginning at the moment of death and for any period afterwards, although usually most often in the year following the death, there's after death communication. And that's where the living person um, has the experience of the presence of the, the deceased loved one. And um, there's a whole lot to say about after death communication as a topic. In, there's a lot to say about each of these things in and of themselves. Yes. But just to say a few things about after death communication, um, it actually occurs to both grieving and non-grieving people. So uh, there are lots of cases of people who had after death communication who were not in the process of grieving the deceased loved one. Um, like one of my favorite, like one of the themes that, that can happen is um, protection or rescue theme. And this, in this case, which came from um, the book, um, uh, Hello from Heaven by Bill Guggenheim and Judy Guggenheim. Um, this woman is driving home from work one day. She um, gets to the stop sign of her normal route home and suddenly she hears her father's voice and he had died like 10 years before and she was not actively grieving him, but she hears his voice very clearly say, turn right, right here, right now. So she like turns right and that's not how she normally goes home. And so then she's on that route and she's thinking, okay, now how am I going to get home? So she has to take this, you know, much longer circuitous route and she gets, finally arrives home, takes off her coat, pours herself a glass of wine, turns on the TV and sees that the route that she normally takes home, which involves crossing a bridge, that bridge collapsed and several people went into the ravine and died before anybody knew what was happening and they could stop the traffic. Wow. And if she had taken her normal route home, she might've been one of those cars. So it was absolutely a protective you know, message not that didn't involve her grieving. But um, many of the people who have after death communication are in the process of grieving their loved one. And um, the communication can happen. It can take any of a number of forms. Actually most common is a feeling of, of very distinct, definite feeling of the presence of the deceased loved one with no other sensory cue at all. You're not seeing them, hearing them, anything like that. You just know they're there. You feel it. And um, But they can take a sensory form where the deceased loved one is seen either like you and I are seeing each other now or maybe translucently or maybe only part of the body. Um, and uh, it can involve hearing, hearing their voice that seems to be coming from the environment or that like in your in your mind's ear, so to speak, you hear the voice in your own mind. Um, and the same with the, with visual, it can be an image in your own mind or it can be an image out in the environment. Um, people sometimes smell something associated with the person like a favorite perfume or cigar smoke or something like that. Um, and uh, and then there, uh, there are these other forms that don't involve actually perceiving the deceased loved one directly, but it's indirect through some kind of like symbolic thing. In fact, that's why I wore my butterfly jewelry today because this is a real common um, symbolic ADC where the person, the, um, a grieving person, let's say, is on a walk thinking about their deceased loved one, missing them. And suddenly numerous butterflies 
come and fly around them and even might land on them and so forth. And this has never happened in their life before, and it never happens after that. But it seems to um, be, uh, they have the definite sense that it's associated. It's kind of like their, their loved ones sent the butterflies or the butterflies came in response, you know, um, uh, as a like at the beckoning of the deceased loved one. But it can also take other forms. Like I remember one ADC where the deceased person's favorite flower was irises, which usually bloomed at this in this place in April. And on the anniversary of the death in early January, they walked out their front door and in their yard, all their irises were in bloom. They were in bloom and, you know, completely out of season. Wow. And so, um, so, and then they can, like, uh, I remember one case where uh, a woman, this, a, a man in my um, group told me this, this story, his wife had died and his, um, well, actually she had two that I'll tell. His daughter had these two, ex and he and his daughter kind of had these two experiences in one experience, um, so her, she had, the daughter had gotten engaged and then her mother was diagnosed with um, cancer. And then they went shopping for the daughter's wedding dress and then the mother died and then the wedding happened. So the mother didn't get to go to the wedding. And a, a couple of months after the wedding, the daughter posted on Facebook her favorite photo of herself in her wedding dress and she texted her dad and said, you know, go to the Facebook page and see the photo. So he goes there, he sees it and he likes it, you know, and then he's going down the list of all the other people who'd seen it and liked it. And his wife had liked the photo, except she'd been dead for a, about three or four months at that time. And oh when gosh, he was telling me this, I know. <laughs> and when he's telling me this, he says, the weird thing is, the only way my wife ever accessed her Facebook was on her phone. I have her phone, but I don't have her password. So I've never been able to get into her phone. So how did she like something on Facebook? It, this is called an electronic ADC. And they happen, people get telephone calls from the dead. They get computer stuff that happens. Um, messages come up and things like that. It's just um, that really, well, the other thing that happened uh, to this young woman, uh, one night she and her new husband were out to dinner and they had this lovely dinner. And when they finished, they discovered that this restaurant did not take credit cards and they didn't have hardly any cash between them, except that her mother, uh, like a couple of years before, had given her four $50 bills to plant in different places so that if she was ever short on money, she would have it. Well, her last one of these four bills was in her wallet and they she could either use it or they could wash dishes, you know? So she very reluctantly used this $50 bill. And, um, and so the, after dinner, they went to Target to shop. And as they turned a corner on a, of an aisle, it was to the makeup aisle, she commented to her husband, oh, I feel so nostalgic because this is where mom and I used to come to do our makeup shopping together. And as they're walking down the aisle, they see something in the aisle and as they approach it, it's a $50 bill laying right in the aisle. Wow. And so manifestations of physical things can happen. And so I've given a lot of examples of people who had these experiences when they were awake but they can, these experiences can also happen during sleep. And I don't call them dream ADCs because when people have these experiences while they're asleep, they usually will say, this was not nothing like my normal dreams. This was a real experience while my body was asleep. And I typically met my deceased loved one and had some kind of um, communication, although it can take a different form, which... I had personal experience with it, but it's too long of a story to tell you right now. Um, but so it can happen when we're awake, when we're asleep, uh, in any state of consciousness. It can happen when we're completely healthy, all the way to being on our deathbed. And and like I said, this is where 
ADC kind of overlaps with nearing death awareness because the dying person seeing a deceased loved one who's there to help them across, that's kind of like after death communication too. Mm -hmm. So, so these, these categories are a little bit artificial because they all kind of overlap, but, um, but anyway, so, and, uh, and one of the things we know about after death communication is it's almost always pleasurable and it almost always um, helps the experiencer in some way. Um, it might help them with a very specific problem they're dealing with. Like people have had after death communications about um, like lost wills and things like that, where they then have like a dream or an ex a vision or experience of some kind where they're shown where this will is located and they go to this obscure place that no one would ever think of and they find the will and, you know, have, have what they need. Um, there's a great, uh, interview that one of my colleagues did with uh, a man named John, whose father passed. And uh, a few days later, they uh, he was at his mother's house helping her clean out. And he remembered that his father had told him a couple years before that his father had bought a small gun for protection, and he had put it in the top shelf of the closet. For, um, and But he said he hadn't told his wife, which was John's mother. And he said to John, you know, if ever anything happens to me, if you'll go get the gun and take it out of the house, because your mom won't know what to do with it. So John's thinking, okay, here I am. So he goes up and he's searching in the closet. Well, long story short, he searches everywhere. He cannot find the gun at all. And so he just kind of is giving up on it. And a couple nights later, he has this experience while he's asleep that he's in his parents' house. His father is up uh, upstairs and, and John is walking down the steps into the basement and his father's calling from above and saying, yeah, go downstairs. And John's saying, no, no, dad, I've looked uh, everywhere down here. And his father says, no, no, keep going down the hall into my dark room and now go across the room to this cabinet and now pull the cabinet away from the wall. And there you'll find the gun lodged between the cabinet and the wall. And so um, John has that experience in the while he's asleep. And then uh, he doesn't wake up immediately. He wakes up in the morning and remembers this experience in the middle of the night. And he's thinking, you know, could this be? Nah. But then it's bugging him. So he goes to his mom's house. He says, Mom, I'm going to check in the basement, look around for something. And she's like, okay. So he goes downstairs. He goes into the dark room to the thing. He pulls the cabinet and there's the gun lodged mm -hmm. between the cabinet and the wall. And he says, you know, he has absolutely no memory that his father ever said anything to him about the gun, except the one time when he said that it was, he kept it up in his um, closet uh, above shelf. So, um, so, so these experiences sometimes are even veridical, meaning that the person gets information that they couldn't have gotten through any normal means and is later verified as accurate, which, which then casts uh, what's the opposite of doubt, belief on the experiences that don't involve veridical information that the sense people have that the experience is absolutely real. Mm -hmm. um, may It might absolutely be real, objectively speaking, you know. So, um, yeah. So I've said a lot. I've yak, yak, yak. What, what reactions do you have? Everything is so fantastic. I love everything that you're saying. And I love all of the stories. It's amazing. The stories that I've heard since my mother passed and the stories that I can now share with everything that all the afterlife communication that I've had with her and, you know, the stories that my sister, um, has had with her that she shared with me. It's really amazing. It really, shifts beliefs it helps reconcile grief um perceptions of what happens in the afterlife completely shifts it's a reaffirming of what i experienced when i was little after my grandmother passed away you know and the continued things that happened you know as i was growing up for sure so i think it really is a beautiful experience to have these afterlife communications because it really affects you on multiple different levels yeah, 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 absolutely. Like you said, it can help with grief, 
it it doesn't completely eliminate grief because yeah. you know she's still not here and and you know there is that that definite loss and at the same time there's a, a, a definite sense of an ongoing relationship and ongoing connection and that your death isn't the end of the connection and um and uh maybe changes your beliefs about even what's important in life yes um yeah yeah what would you say what would you say you you have thought about is most important in life based on these experiences oh that life is so precious it really is a gift and it's limited and when our loved ones aren't in physical form anymore we miss them yeah yeah and um yeah it's just you know, cherishing every moment that we have with our loved ones. Mm, mm, mm -hmm. And yes, we will see them again. And yes, we do have this communication, but it's loving glimpses and little messages. It's, you know, not that physical form where we can call mom on the telephone and see what's going on or yeah. have her present in our lives or, you know, my children's lives. Yeah. 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 For sure. Mm. For sure. So there's some aspects of the loss that that the communication isn't going to change, but some aspects that it does ease and yeah, make make better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, wow. that feeling that you know, okay, mom still is around. Mm -hmm. She's still here. She's still supporting, mm -hmm. still loving us from afar. But yeah. yeah, we still do very much experience that grief and loss, and it gets triggered by the most interesting things I find. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Un unexpected, right? Unexpected things, yes. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, right, yeah. right. Well, but it know, does go ahead. No, you please go ahead. But it does bring a sense of peace, like you were saying. You mm -hmm. know that shared death experience. I know that when I was in the hospital, sitting beside my mother, um, uh, holding her hand, I very much did see and feel that my grandmother and great grandmother were there, mm -hmm. and. I heard we've got her, you know, me hoping, you know, we've got her, we're going to help yeah. her heal <laughs> yeah. That's what I was really cheerleading for. Right. But, yeah. you know, also knowing, you know, that she could possibly be in her death process and, um, see experience or going through the experience in my mind now, post her passing, I see that she was in her death process and mm -hmm. they were there helping her and supporting her you know, yeah. as, you know, she was going through her process and she was, um, she was on a ventilator and because her lungs had filled up with fluid and, you know, not able to communicate, you know, post a certain time. So mm -hmm. it was comforting to know that they were there with her mm -hmm. and supporting her and from the other side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's what, a, what a great gift. And also a little side aspect of it was by them conveying that message to you, it did help you begin to consider the possibility that she might be passed in the process of passing and, mm -hmm. and helped you not be so, so shocked uh, by her passing, just, you know, getting you starting to consider that possibility. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Wow. That's yeah. Great. That's a really nice way to put it, to consider the possibility, because that is very true. Yeah. You know, as much as I didn't want to, yes, in the back of my head, that was a considered possibility. So it did. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you know, one of the things that we've sort of um, touched into uh, or, or referenced in a very indirect way mm -hmm. is um, the possibility for people to facilitate this experience, because the great majority of experiences that people have of this type occur unexpectedly unintentionally and um and often when people you know when you'd like to be able to just communicate with your deceased loved one you you can't just you know like you said pick up the phone or or even in a a spiritual way pick up a phone and and get that communication on demand um but there have been um uh strategies that people have used to facilitate that communication and they include things like automatic writing 
you know, sitting down with a pen and paper and the intention to allow the deceased um, person to communicate through one's own pen with, you know, let it kind of letting go of control and letting, letting the writing kind of happen. Um, and, uh, and so some people have, uh, had, have a definite sense of connection with their deceased loved one that way. Um, and mm -hmm. then there's, um, there's mediumship, which is using a medium of communications and intermediary between the living person and the deceased person to get um, a communication from the, the deceased loved one. And, um, and there are uh, a couple places that people can go to find, like there's a place called the Windbridge Institute, Windbridge, one word, where um, they have a, a list of certified mediums. These are mediums that they have you could say put through their paces to make sure that they really can reliably um, connect accurately with deceased loved ones. And, and then there's just some mediums who have very good reputations. And like, for example, one person who's spoken several times <clears throat> at the International Association for Near-Death Studies is Suzanne Giesman, who is a <clears throat> retired um, attache to um, a, I think the head of the Navy on the Joint Chiefs of Staff. So she was very high in the military and something happened in her life that opened her to her capacity for mediumship. And, um, and she's just uh, has amazing, I always look forward to hearing her talks at the conference because she always has new stories to tell and things like that so um and she calls herself an evidential medium so she asks for evidence so that the messages that usually come through are like i'm here i'm healthy i'm still with you i see what you're doing i'm i'm still involved in your life i care about you i love you none of that is evidential so she asked for, for evidence. So um, just I'll tell you one quick story that is exemplifies this. So this young woman, her father had passed and she goes to Suzanne for a reading. Of course, Suzanne doesn't know her from anybody. And um, and at the very beginning of the reading, Suzanne says, well, your father's here and he's showing me shrimp, you know, the crustacean. <laughs> and And she says, she says, does shrimp mean anything in your relationship with him? And the daughter's racking her brain and she just can't, it, it isn't making any kind of connection. And Suzanne said, well, he's quite adamant. He wants you to know about these shrimp. And, and so now we're gonna move on. And so uh, they go on and then Suzanne says one thing after another that's very evidential to her. And she leaves the session on this high. So she goes home, she calls her mother, the widow, and she says, she tells her all about, she's all excited, you know, and then Suzanne said this, and then she says this, and she says, oh, but the weirdest thing at the very beginning, he, Suzanne said he was quite adamant that I should see, should see these shrimp. And on the other end of the line, her mother goes, oh. and the daughter says, what? And the mother says, well, yesterday I cleaned out the freezer in the garage. And at the bottom of the freezer was this bag of shrimp. I had no idea how long it had been there. So I took it in the house. I boiled it up. My intention was to put it in, you know, some packages and freeze it again so that I could use it, you know, in dishes over the next few weeks. And she said, but I ate one of the shrimp and it was so good that I ate the whole bag. <laughs> That's great. And what's, what yeah. is, what's particularly great about this is that people sometimes say, well, could the medium be reading the sitter's mind. Could mm -hmm. Suzanne have been reading that daughter's mind? Well, no, because the daughter didn't know about the guilty shrimp, <laughs> you know? That's fantastic. But her father was letting her know that I, I see what you're doing, you know? And um, he wasn't there to guilt the mom about the shrimp. He was mm -hmm. there to say, I know I know what's happening in your life and I, I still care. 
So fantastic. Yeah, Yeah, that evidence. And we can so often when we go get a reading say, okay, was that evidential mediumship or were they just, you know, psychically picking up on what I've been doing over the last week? I know that um, in a recent conversation with a friend, we had that discussion because I had a reading, a group reading um, here with East West Books um, in Seattle with Mark Anthony. And he's yes. an evidential medium. I've yes. interviewed him on the show and he, you know, went through like ginger and I had put ginger in my tea and then you left the door open and the door to the garage was open and several other things, you know, that way that were really fun and um, glimpses into evidence that she is watching my daily life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he's, she's seeing these things happen in my yeah. life. Yeah, it is fantastic when you come across someone who can give that type of a reading. Yeah. And then, as you say, then then you might come away and wonder, was he somehow picking up on me? Because that's all stuff that I knew. Mm -hmm. And that's why these cases, like uh, Suzanne said, are so important, because it was picking up on information that the that the sitter didn't have. Right. so on target. So yeah. And and again, that casts belief then that in this kind of things that you experienced were genuinely him, uh, Mark Anthony, getting the information from your father that he's, or your mother, mother. Rather, that mm-hmm. she's yeah. watching, she's watching you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. So, and then there's a, um, a counseling technique called induced after death communication. Oh. And this is a, um, I did a study on it in the, uh, at the University of North Texas. And what we did was, um, so let me tell you first what is involved in, in induced after death communication, IADC. Um, the, a grieving person comes for counseling and um, after the counselor gets to know the person and know the deceased person, the relationship between the client and their deceased loved one and and all that kind of thing. Then there is some work around the most painful aspect of the grief for the living person. And um, once what happens in that process is that uh, typically the person starts out feeling very emotionally distressed while they think about this worst aspect of the grief. And then this processing is done and they end up feeling very low, if any, emotional distress. And when they reach that level um, and the, uh, the processing continues, about half of people, a little over half, have a spontaneous experience of after-death communication with their deceased loved one. And and, um, the remaining, uh, um, not all the people, but a good portion of the next, of of the people who don't have it spontaneously, just by asking a couple of questions, these aren't like leading questions, they're they're questions like, you know, if you could say one thing to your deceased loved one, what would be the single most important thing you would want to say to them? And once they settle on it, then doing some processing around that, sometimes then they have an after-death communication experience. And what I what so what we did in the study, we had bereaved people and we randomly assigned them to either traditional grief counseling, where you talk about the deceased person, what they meant to you and that kind of thing, how you're getting on in life without them versus IADC. And before it, it involved two 90 minute sessions, one week apart. And before the first session, everybody took some instruments to assess their grief. Then they went through their two sessions, either traditional grief counseling or IADC, and then they took those same instruments again so we could see if their grief changed. And the people who went through traditional grief counseling, their their, um, grief either did not improve or actually got a little worse. Um, Whereas the people who had IADC had significant improvement in their grief symptoms and there and it was uh, what we what we call clinically significant, not just statistically significant, you know, numbers, 
but a really meaningful shift in their in their grief. And um, and I've followed up with a few of the people um, who said, like one one gal, um, she she felt her husband hug her, and she said that. Um, but it was more than that because she had always questioned whether he really loved her. He was good to her. They had a good life together, everything. But, you know, deep, deep down, did he really love her? And um, and in the experience of him hugging her, she felt his absolute unconditional love. And she said that actually she, on reflecting on that, this had been a lifelong thing from, you know, the earliest she could remember in childhood is, is the doubt that, that many of us have. Am I essentially lovable? And do the people in my life who say they love me, do they really love me? And she said this was the first time that she ever experienced absolute, unconditional love. And she said it changed her life. So it changed her life in a bigger way than just resolving her grief. It yeah. really, it really changed the very foundation of her sense of her, her own worth and lovability. And so, um, so it's a very powerful approach that, um, that research, we can now say research shows is really effective. And um, not everybody who goes through this process has an after-death communication, although sometimes people have it not during the counseling session, but in the following week or in a few weeks after. It seems to, it can, for some people, sort of open something that needs something else to, to happen. Mm -hmm. um, but even when people don't have specifically an ADC, uh, they still benefit from uh significantly from the counseling from the whole process so um so anybody who's interested in that can google induced after death communication and go to the website of the organization for that to find uh, their uh, list of certified um, mental health they're all licensed mental health professionals who are also certified in iadc um and you you for those of your listeners who don't know, you usually look for somebody in your own state because licensure, the ability, the you know, legal right to practice is usually um, within a, a license that's issued by your state. Mm. So, yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing um, that. Yeah, thank you for sharing um, the web address too. I think that these avenues are important ways for us to process our grief and our emotions, you know, following the passing of a loved one, especially since, you know, I've noticed after the passing of a loved one, it opens up the doorway, not only to communication, but also to healing. If there was anything that needed to be healed. Yeah. You know, yeah. Otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and as illustrated by um, that, that one client, where there was a deep wound that needed healing and, and these experiences can really, um, you know, um, address those. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so I'm kind of at a pausing place. What, sure. what else comes up for you um, that you might want to um, contribute or, or ask me? Oh, thank you for the question and thank you for um the invitation um i'm really loving all of the stories that you're sharing i think that our listeners would probably benefit from hearing more stories i know i've heard a lot of stories since my mother has passed um one that i would like what are two that i would like to share especially around that shared death experience i heard um recently of a person who was sitting next to the bedside of a loved one and actually found themselves in an out-of-body experience where they were in the room with the person who was sedated, but on the other side, which I thought was very fascinating. And this was pre the person's passing. Yeah. There was um, another woman who had a similar experience 
as you were sharing earlier about shared death experience, where she actually had an out-of-body experience or vision where she was walking her husband to the light. And then when she got to the light, sort of handed him off to their loved ones. You know, I think that those yeah. stories are amazing. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, after... And- Go ahead. So if you hold, hold that thought, sure. the, the, I just want to underscore that in the first one you mentioned, um, it's like the person's spirit or consciousness or whatever word you want to use, their essence mm-hmm. had left their body before the body actually died. The body was just sedated. And, you know, you'd think that the consciousness would still be in the body, but um, but um, not necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Not necessarily. I know from my own self experiencing a traumatic um, brain injury in a car accident, when that truck hit broadsided my car, I was having an out-of-body experience. I think that, um, and as a healer, I can feel the differing energy levels in a person, you know, um, on my table or in transition, I'm finding now, um, after working on my mother, there's that, um, I think, where our spirit does sort of lift up out of the body when is when it is experiencing something, you know, yeah. physical mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. There is a separation. So quite often you hear, I have heard a lot of stories about those out-of-body experiences, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the, it's the first, uh, well, not the first, but it's uh, usually an initial aspect of a near-death experience for mm-hmm. the consciousness to be, some people remember their consciousness actually leaving their body. Some people just are suddenly aware that they are, that their consciousness is out of their body, but, and, but uh, definitely being outside and observing the material world. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very common. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love all of the shared experience posts as well. The butterflies, the dragonflies, my mother loves hummingbirds and has sent me hummingbirds. Um, My sister has smelled her perfume um, my mother does a fun thing with, uh, the printer. She actually did it right before our interview, which was fun, you know, just letting me know that she knows what we're going to be talking about. Oh, wow. How cool. Yeah. Oh, that does, is um, fun thing with my water dispenser, you know, the bubbles, you know, I can be laying in bed, nobody's walking on the floor or disturbing it and the bubbles will happen. And yeah. it even happened to me when I was discussing my mother's passing um with a person at a retreat a couple of weeks ago and we're standing in front of we're or sitting in front of it on the floor and as I'm talking the bubbles you know happen right next to me which is <laughs> I just kind of giggled <laughs> to myself you know, wow that is great that is great and, and yeah you're bringing up a, a really important uh form is that uh a lot of times there will be uh, interference with electrical things like mm-hmm. lights will flash. Um, and, and even, um, one man whose wife passed, uh, they always used to have dinner in the dining room and many times he would come home from work. No one has been in the house and her chair would be pulled out. Wow. And so just the movement of, of things, even in the physical environment, it's amazing all the different forms that it can take. I actually had that recently. I was standing in the kitchen and my vitamin dispenser was empty. I'm making my tea and it was sitting right behind me and I heard movement. And I'm like, huh, that sounded like my empty plastic vitamin dispenser just moved, (laughs) right? But I continue on, right? And it happened again. I heard the sound again. (laughs) So I turned around, I'm like, Okay, you know maybe you'll want to do it again now that I'm watching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, only when I wasn't watching. Maybe that's all she had. Nothing. <laughs> Nudge it a couple times. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. And the lights. Too. Pardon me. And the lights as well. She plays with the lights. A week after my mother passed, my son and I laid in bed and had a conversation with the lamp. Oh, conversation with mom because it just yeah, it would yeah flicker and turn off and turn uh-huh. back on again yeah it was amazing uh-huh. wow yeah, it was really fun wow that's that is amazing um and another one I remember when I was teaching high school so this is like years ago I had a student whose parents 
died suddenly in a car accident and the children were at home. I think there were four children in the family and, um, and uh, they got notified that the parents had died. You know, the police came to the, and then, and it was only, you know, 20 minutes after the accident had happened. And that's when they noticed that all the clocks in the house had stopped at the time of death. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. Bumps again. I know, I know. It's just, there's, there's so much more going on than, than just this material world that's very important. And it's not the, the end be all and end all of everything for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, um, one, uh, one experience that I had involved butterflies, um, my, uh, husband's mother was living alone in East Texas. And one evening, uh, my husband, his name is Gary, and he has a friend named John. The three of us were sitting at our uh, dining table uh, talking about John's father, who was over in England, and John was trying to figure out what to do. His father's health was failing and this sort of thing. Then we got briefly onto the topic of Gary's mom and how it seemed like she was slipping cognitively and we're thinking we, she was going to need to go into, you know, like assisted living or something like that, but she's fiercely independent. While we're having this conversation, I have this feeling of something up in the corner of the room that's like ironic. I don't know how to explain it any, any other way. I had the sense of a presence that was communicating irony. Now, this is not something that you would say to somebody like, you know, while we're talking about this, I have a sense it was just something I registered in my mind and thought, oh, okay, you know, very odd. The next morning, I was in a counseling session, in fact, in here, this is my home office, and I heard the phone ring out, uh, out, out the door, and uh, I heard my husband answer the phone, and uh and then I heard something that I'd never heard before since he burst into tears and my client could hear it too. And the client wasn't talking about something, you know, like really critical, urgent. So I said, you know, do you mind if I step out for a minute and learned that they had just found Gary's mom. She had fallen in the shower the morning before and died. And uh, she hit her head and she died in the shower. And they had just found her, and um, and then it made sense. While we were talking about what are we going to do with Gary's mom, she's already passed, and she's up there going, y'all don't need to be worried about this anymore. It's just very ironic you're thinking uh -oh. about this because problem solved. So, um, so we immediately packed up and went to East Texas, Gary's aunt, put us up. She was so good to us for a few days and we stayed until uh, the um, uh, funeral. And at the funeral, I took a flower out of each bouquet and brought it home and tied them up and hung them in our windows to dry. So we would have this nice reminder of, of her. So uh, a couple weeks later, we we're going back uh, meet Gary's sister, go to the house, uh, to Gary's mom's house, and we're cleaning out. <clears throat> and I saw these canisters that had a monarch butterfly on the front of them. And I said to Gary's sister, would you mind if I break up the set and take this one, which is just like this perfect size, and take it home and clean it up and put potpourri in it and give it to Gary's aunt as a thank you gift? for taking such good care of us, you know, during this really um, hard time. And uh, and Gary's sister was, no, oh, that's fine. So I did all that. And then um, after I had brought um, Gary's aunt, the, the canister thing, um, probably I'm gonna guess that it was maybe a week or 10 days later, I was standing at my back window, looking out, we have an ivy patch. And as I'm sipping tea, it's morning, nobody else is around. And 
and I suddenly realized there's a, a monarch butterfly in the ivy and it's just moving ever so slightly. So I'm waiting for it, you know, to fly away and, mm -hmm. and it, it just doesn't, it just keeps moving. And suddenly I realized, well, wait a minute, the only time it moves is when the leaves are rustling. It's a breeze, you know, that's moving. So I open the door and step out and approach it very gingerly. Well, long story short, it was a perfect dead monarch butterfly which with its antennae and everything still in shape, it was just so perfect. That's what had was on the front of the um, of the canister. And so I picked it up. And of course, the first time I touched it and all that. And anyway, I ended up taking it and putting it in with the flowers. I hung it on the flowers that were hanging and it was just perfect. And never before in my life, I'm 72 years old, Never before and never since have I found a dead butterfly of any kind, more or less a perfect one, more or less a monarch. That's the exact same one that was this meaningful thing. And I absolutely know that that was a message from her about saying, you know, I saw this whole thing and, you know, got it. Yeah, yeah it was great. Thank so sharing that, Janice, yeah. that's a great, so Janice, that's a great story. Yeah. yeah. So we've, and I'm sure we probably all both have lots of others and, and others from, from other people. They're just, yes. they're very, um, they're so diverse and, and, and usually just so fitting for the, for the exact person. You know, if you'd gotten a monarch butterfly, it wouldn't mm -hmm. have meant the same thing. And um, so, yeah, so it just, they seem to be really um, designed for the, uh, for the the experiencer it really is individualized when you were telling your story it reminded me um, I went to go visit my dad with my youngest in June for his post 90th celebration and um, there ended up being something going on with the family and my youngest and I were walking out of a care center where uh, my dad's wife was recuperating and um, up flies in our face, this black, big black butterfly with blue on the tips. And it, we just stood there because this butterfly just circled us over and over again, like up and down and all around for a solid minute. And we were just both of us delighted. And dad was in the car, just watching us kind of giggling at us. And um, very much both of us felt like we, like we looked at each other and mama, but the butterfly, like you said, it's significant because my sister actually has that very butterfly tattooed on her shoulder on her back wow so it is very wow. individualized and yeah. such a gift when yeah. it happens it really is and sometimes i think wow like the animal world especially the butterflies and hummingbirds and all that seem to be um in sync with uh the spirit world in in mm -hmm. a really interesting way yeah that's mm -hmm. that is very cool very much messengers of spirit messengers <laughs> of spirit yeah that's a great way to say it um and um one one thing that's coming to me is to be sure to emphasize that um what seems to be the important factor here is love that yeah. love is the link that um, that keeps the communications open and things like that. And also sometimes people really want this communication and they don't get it and they and they wonder why. And and it might be another person who isn't even as close to the the deceased person as they are who's getting the messages. And and I can't say that I really know why that happens, but I do have some uh, some hypotheses about it. And, and one is that some of us are just generally more open to and sensitive to communication from uh, other dimensions. And mm -hmm. so that can play a role. But also one of the things we know from IADC work is that what, um, that if, when a person is, um, emotionally charged in some way they could be profoundly sad they could be guilty they could be um resentful um if there's any intense emotional charge that seems to get in the way of the communication yeah. and so what hap what helps people most 
is if they can get into a centered, calm um, space, psycho-spiritually, in which they invite the deceased to make themselves known and uh, not demand, not pull, but just invite the way you would invite someone to do something. And if they say yes, fine. And if they say no, fine. But And then be prepared for the communication to take a form that you absolutely had no anticipation of. And mm -hmm. so just to be open to noticing anything that happens either in the moments following the invitation or in the days or even weeks following the invitation that uh, sometimes um, circumstances need to happen so that like you're driving down the street thinking about your deceased loved one you just turn on the radio and there is their favorite song or the favorite song you had with them. Yes. And so, you know, you can't make that happen like right now, but it might happen in some time over the next few weeks. Um, and so it's that uh, centered, open, inviting kind of mindset that seems to facilitate these experiences the most. Yeah. Oh, I love that you said that, Jan, because it's so true, you know, just asking and then being open to what you receive. I remember I shared a story in the afterward in um, a book that I wrote about my shared death, death experience with my mother that's going to be coming out soon. And in the afterward, I share a story about how we're discussing angels and how one of the things that you can do is to invite the angels to give you a sign, to ask them to give you a sign. And we had walked into the nursery and we were just walking around and I had my second born with me. He was a toddler at the time and he had white blonde hair and a woman walked up to us out of nowhere. We didn't even realize she was there. And she goes, look at that angel hair, you know, and that was the sign. I just looked at yeah. mom and we just both looked at each other like, oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Obvious. Like you wanted an angel sign. Here's a woman showing up that says angel, you know, so yeah. be prepared for it to show yeah. up the way that you hear it, the way that you would see it. And no, I like what you said. Also know like when it's it, when you're experiencing it, if your loved one is in your mind, that's affirmation. That's mm -hmm. confirmation. I mean, mm -hmm. that it is your loved one giving you the sign. Mm -hmm. confirmation. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so there, uh, and, and, uh, you know, one of the kind of unanswered questions for me is who benefits most from, uh, like going to a medium versus doing IEDC? Mm -hmm. Maybe some people benefit from both, maybe one order than the other is better for some people than others. There's still a lot of questions I have about how best to, um, help people with with grief around these kinds of experiences. Um, but I do know that, um, you know, there are plenty of times that people have spontaneous, you know, really unexpected, unplanned experiences. And just processing those in depth with another person who's has is knowledgeable and has an open attitude can can really mind the riches of the experience and really deepen it and get help you kind of milk it for everything it's worth um, and reflecting on it over time. I mean, I have another, uh, an after death communication experience that um, was a mystery to me for, I don't know, more than 20 years. And one day something happened that I suddenly got it and it was just it was just amazing. And, and I even understood why it needed to be a mystery to me for those 20 years that I had reached a point where I was able to really receive the message that I couldn't have received previously. So it's, so even just staying with these experiences over time, revisiting them, um, they can be so beneficial. Yeah. 
Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's important for people to hear. I appreciate that. Sure, sure. Well, it looks like we're coming to the end of our hour, Jan. Is there anything that you would um, like to share extra, a little pearl of wisdom or a gem to leave us with? Hmm. I, I'm coming back to um, love and that love is love is the link. That's the name of a book that a, a colleague of mine wrote years ago um but it i thought she, in that title she really captured it love is the link and and when we establish a loving relationship with another person we're we're establishing a relationship that isn't just for this lifetime it's for beyond and and possibly that existed prior to this lifetime and so um these experiences fall into even a broader category of things like past life memories and uh, that sort of thing that bring a um, a very different worldview about the nature. You know, we think we're just here born by accident into this family and uh, that sort of thing that, that there may be um, purpose and meaning uh, beyond, beyond that, um, that, that these kinds of experiences can can lend a little peek into. Yeah. Perfect. I love that, Jan. Thank you so much. And thank, thank you, you for sharing, you know, the stories and, you know, the resources for us and the tips and ideas, yeah. you know, of things. If we want to have an experience, what might we be able to do, you know, to initiate those in our lives? Thank you for yeah. sharing those. I appreciate that. My and thank pleasure. you for being with me again on Raise the Vibe with Liz. I really appreciate having Liz. you again, Jan. I've thoroughly enjoyed this time with you. Thank you. Thanks. And okay. thank you everyone for joining us. I'm Liz Peterson, and this is Raise the Vibe with Liz. You can find me on Facebook, YouTube, and at Raise the Vibe with Liz. And more information on my website, Liz's Healing Touch. I'm also looking for sponsorship. So if you're interested in sponsoring the show, please visit my website, lizishealingtouch.com. And you can find my contact information there. Thank you, Jan. Thank you again. I really appreciate it. And thank you everyone for joining me. Have a great day. And remember to get out there and raise the vibe. Thanks everyone. Thank you for listening to today's show on Raise the Vibe with Liz. If you like this content and want to support me, please go to Patreon at Raise the Vibe with Liz or click the link in the description of this show. And remember, change starts with you. So get out there and raise the vibe. Thank you, everyone.